Holmes, a debut goal, maybe. James cutting it onto his right foot and finishing with a block. What a start he has had to his Manchester United career. Dan James in the middle. James can clinch it for Manchester United, and he does. This has come to Daniel James, who spears Manchester United back into the lead. Here's James. Oh, it's an absolute delight from Dan James. Hello, and welcome to another Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen Evans, joined as always by my co-hosts, David May and Sam Homewood. Respect. We're all in this together, guys. We're all a team. I'm only joking. Mm. Equal no, parts. Yeah. How are we? All good. Good. I'm great. I just broke a bowl. I cut my finger. Oh, Sam, you're always up to something. Oh. <laughs> yes. I am happy, guys. <laughs> Go on. Schools have gone back. The girls have gone back. Thumbs up. Big thumbs up from Belle Big there. thumbs up from Helen. Life is slowly getting back to normal. Getting there, aren't we? Yeah. Very slowly. Sun's out more, which I like a lot. The sun's out. Spring is here. One day soon we'll all be together. That should have gone like some sort of poem, but it didn't. I don't know when this will go out, but we beat City in the derby. That was nice. That was very nice. That was very nice. Yes. Yes. That was an amazing weekend. Maisie's turned 18. <laughs> 81. Yeah, 18. Big 81 there. Stone. Go on, say it, Helen. I'll never dig at me weight. It's falling <laughs> off. It's coming off. It is. I saw him the other day in real life, actually, and I thought you looked trim. Thanks, mate. I'm further away from the camera, so it makes me look smaller. What are you doing? What's the regime? On the bike? Just, just do you know what, Sam? Just eating healthy. Looking at I've had no beer. I've had one beer since... <laughs> January. I really don't. I've had no beer. I've had one beer. <laughs> well, one beer since January. Wow, Maisie. Yeah, yeah. Well, one little sash, which is only six. Okay, hours so ago. it's gone from it's no worse. beers to one beer, and now it's a little sesh. Well, it was only like from four o'clock till eleven because I can't remember much more than that. Big, big. But because I've not had a drink, it went straight to my head. But I had an absolute ball. That was Willow's 18th birthday, which is why we are referring to the balloons behind Maisie saying 18. Yeah. Today, guys, Daniel James is on the podcast. Mm -hmm. He'll be early as well, won't he? Ah, He'll be flying into that room. He will. Or just running really fast. Maisie, how would you deal with uh, incredibly fast wingers? The only thing you can do, mate, is kick them. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Can you kick them? You can get one in, but it'd have to be a good one. (laughs) It's very difficult playing against players like Dan and... Marcus and Martial because they are so quick but I suppose you have to give yourself a little bit of bit of a yard yard start maybe two yards for Dan mm-hmm. he is a little bit quick isn't he yeah he's got some pace you have to read the game before you there you go read the game just read the pass in front of you that's yeah. coming your way give yourself a start mm-hmm. that's it it's mm-hmm. all, in the, all up there on the, on the same page us two Maisie yeah we are for a change um, who's the fastest back in your training sessions Maisie who was the fastest for us? Giggsy. Giggsy would be one of the fastest, I would say. And then, tell you who's quick, Pally. Hmm. Long stride. Giggsy over 20 yards against Pally, but Pally over 50, 60 yards. Pally all day long. Flying machine. Very interesting. Yes. Uh, Ollie's first signing as Manchester United manager as well. What a debut. Mm-hmm. Coming on the last 15 minutes, scoring. Everybody knows the occasion for him as well. What a way to do it. Brilliant. Fantastic. I'm sure he will have very fond memories of that debut. So shall we get him on, guys? It's Daniel James. All right, Dan, you okay? Yes, I'm good, thank you. So you? 
Yeah, good pal. Good, good. Good, good result the weekend. Yeah, great result, man. We needed it. Unbelievable. Brilliant. Dad, welcome to the United Podcast. Can I start with what maybe sounds like a stupid question? Because I hear different things. Do you prefer Dan or Daniel? <laughs> Do you know what? I'm not bothered, but if you ask my mum, she'd say Daniel. Okay, so should we go with Daniel today? <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, we'll <laughs> go with Daniel. She's listening. Yeah. Uh, how's, uh, how's, I guess, like the last year been for you? Because it's been such a strange time for everybody. Yeah, I think it's been strange. It's been... Um, I mean, this the whole season, even to last season, just feels like one season through. You can't even you think back to games and you think, oh, was that last season or was this season? So yeah, it's, it's been it's been strange, but we've developed a lot as a team. It's been it's been difficult without fans, but we've it's kind of normal now, and I think we've we're back into the routine of of that being normal until so they come back. So yeah, we've just been developing as a team, improving. We're in a lot better position as we was last year. Obviously, we we'd hope to be a a little bit higher in the league, but we've, um, we're just progressing and just just doing everything we can. You mentioned the not knowing when games were this year or last season, and, and I think we've all had that. Do you think the last sort of 12 months have been maybe the most mentally draining football that you've experienced? Because we've had fixtures, competitive fixtures in every single calendar month of the year, going back to, what, last August 2019, I think? Yeah, it's... Um... The calendar's been ridiculous. Um, the obviously the winter break break got taken out as well because of games that have got to be played. So um, yeah, as I said, the games we look back and I think when we come back from the f- the first lockdown and um, we played Tottenham away, I think from then on and we I think after Tottenham we went on a, a good streak of games and obviously we finished in that Champions League spot and then from then on it was it was straight back into to the new season. So. I remember speaking, I think it was to Nemanja the other day and it was it was just like, when when was that Europa League game? And was it this season? Was it last season? And it, it, it is hard to, to look back at that. But I think this season was just progression. Can we can we go that one step further? And and that's what we that's what we hope to do. In the time that you have had away from football, which has not been very much, do you listen to podcasts? What do you do in your spare time? Do you know what I a lot of people speak about podcasts and um, I, I haven't really listened to any really. Um, a lot of people have recommended different things to me, and I can recommend one. It's called the United Podcast. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. Um, yeah, so in my spare time, you know, what I mean, I, I like to go and like to play PlayStation. I think as soon as I get spare time, I'm straight on there. It's it's kind of where I speak to my friends. I think if you're going to say I ring, I don't ring them a lot. I'll I'll speak to them online and it's kind of a, you, you're playing games with them while speaking to them and you conversation of, of what they're up to. So I think, um, yeah, if, if you ask my missus, I think she'd say uh, mostly on that. She'd say you're a gamer. Is that yeah. the phrase? I have no idea anything about <laughs> <laughs> computer we games. We asked Brandon about that and he told us about his setup. Is yours similar? Yeah, I think I've got the same, um, the same, I think it's a travel case for PS5 now and I've, I've got one of them. So it's easy to take with you. You can, you can do it like a suitcase. So yeah, we, we've both got the same setup. I think <laughs> if you ask Brandon, he's, um, he plays a lot more than me. So Had that in your day, Maisie? Do we have that? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we'd have the card skill. Oh, the car school, yeah. He had his Game Boy. Commodore 64. All right, all right. Listen, listen. <laughs> I had a Game Just Boy Just because you're too, a lot younger fine. than me, like, it's not ripping into me. What's wrong with the Game Boy? Good old Game Boy. Um, we're going to take you right back to the beginning. Um, I'm doing whether computer games were part of your childhood, whether it was just football. What was your childhood like, though? Yeah, so um, when I was younger, I don't know, it was all football, and I think 
I mean, I did game a lot. It come to a point where I was about 12, 13, where I was missing training actually to play PlayStation. And that's when it kind of, to me, what, what you want to be. I wanted to, I wanted to be out with my friends playing. I felt like I was missing out on it. And there was times where I was just like, mom, I just want to play. And she said, okay, just, just obviously it's, it's up to you. But I had a conversation with the coaches at 12 and they were like, oh, do, what do you want to do? Do you, do you want to stay here? Do you want to, do you want to go play with friends? And from then, from then on, they offered me a contract. And I think from then I was like, oh, I mean, this is all I want to be. So I think you kind of, I mean, you do miss out on a lot when you're younger, when you're going to training most days and mm-hmm. you do want to play out with your friends. You feel like you're missing out, but um, I mean, I, I don't regret it to this day. So No, of course not. You'll get, you'll get to 35, mate, when you can finish and you can do what you want then. <laughs> you can play with your friends then. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was football always your first love as a child, though? Where, yeah. Did you grow up playing in the streets at school? Where, where did the love come from? Yeah, it was it was always football. I think there was a lot of times where my mates who used to call me in the morning to go to school, half the time we were late because I was just doing kick-ups in the street and I was like, I need to get to this number before we go and ended up missing the bus a few times. So, yeah, it was always football. I liked to, a lot, obviously... I liked a lot of other sports as well, but football was always the main one. Just going, just going, Dan, sorry, just going back to what, what you said there, you missed the bus. Yeah. How on earth can you miss a bus? <laughs> you can catch pigeons. There was a, there was a few times I, I ran all the way to the bottom, but I didn't catch it because, um, yeah, I was I was too busy playing the top of the street. So, so it was it was your heroes growing up? Um, I always go back to the one Thierry Henry. It was just unbelievable when I was younger. Um I got to see him kind of towards the end of his career and I mean, I always watched Premier League years and it was just amazing the things he could do. Um, the the goals he scored, the way he dribbled with the ball was just unbelievable. And when he comes to the Premier League, I think everyone just in, enjoyed whether he sported Arsenal or not, everyone just enjoyed yeah. um, the way he played. I have read as well that you were a big fan of Juan Mata growing up. Is that true? Yeah, I've, I've actually got um, a signed top of Juan's in my, in my room at home from the Europa League final. Wan was always a big thing. I, I mean, when I was younger, I think Hazard as well, and, and Wan, um, just just the way, just the way they played. It was just so elegant on the ball, and not just that. He always worked hard off the ball as well, and I just I just love that about him. Um, it was obviously surreal coming here when I met him, but such a as you know, such a nice guy. He's, he's a great guy, and you can speak to him every day about anything, and uh, it was great. And I think I've learned a lot from him since I've been here. Mm-hmm. Who was your team when you were younger? My team. I actually, yeah. um, I actually sported Chelsea when I was younger, growing up. Silence. I think I don't know why. I, I, I mean, I'm from I'm from Hull, but um, me and my brother just always liked Chelsea when we were younger. Obviously, when you get a bit older, you kind of you kind of grow out of it when you start playing. So yeah, it was always it was always there when I was younger. What were you like at school? Were you well behaved at school? Not that <laughs> I am insinuating that you wouldn't be, but did you like school? Did you like learning? Yeah, I think um, there, there was times where I had to I had to be told. Really, I think I mean, the first few years of secondary school, you're a bit, you're still a bit childish, and you kind of have to grow up. I think my mum, uh, there was a few times where I've, I got told off, and mum wasn't happy because she was actually <laughs> actually a teacher at the school, and, and oh. she thought, um, do you know what I mean, they would they would think that it's come from her. So I think it got to about year nine, and I kind of, you know what I mean, realised I got to grow up a bit. I think I never really liked school. Um, I got all my GCSEs, which um, I mean I'm proud of, but I never really liked school. And when I, even when I think about it now and look back to school, I'm so glad that I got 
John got out of it. Um, so glad you're not there anymore. Yeah. So your mum was a teacher in your secondary school? Yeah, so she teached at a girls' school, um, but she also did a few times a week at my school in the in the DT department. So You never crossed or did you? No, we never crossed. No, she never oh. taught me. It's not ideal that though, is it? No. no, not ideal. I think it was the first two years and then I think she actually retired when I was in year eight or nine. So... Um, but never, she never taught me. Didn't have to endure it for too long. Have you have you always been a winger, Dan? Centre forward winger. Yeah, so no. When I was younger, I always used to um, I used to play at front. People just said just running behind. So uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was always a striker. I actually never, I was never a winger until I was fifteen, I think. I actually played ten a lot, and I also played centre mid. I played a lot, quite a few times centre mid. Um, mm-hmm. I think when I was fifteen, it wasn't until I started playing for Wales that I was a winger really. We had the victory shield when I was under 15s and that's kind of when I realised that I do want to be a winger, but I was still going back to, to Hull and playing up front um, because we always, the, the team we played, like I was just a striker and I think when I went away of Wales, it was kind of, I want to be a winger. And then when I signed for Swansea, I became became that winger and learned from there really. I think there might be a few people listening that are surprised that you grew up in Hull because from the United's perspective, you've come from Swansea, played yeah. for Wales what what uh, did you ever have any uh, thought that you you would be interested in playing for England? Did you always feel Welsh? What was uh, what was that like? Because I suppose yeah. is it similar for Scott McTominay? I guess I don't know if you've spoken about it. Yeah, so um, Tom, when I've asked a lot of people, everyone just expects like um, a Welsh accent from me, and they're like, "Oh, you don't really have much accent." I'm, and I'm yeah, I don't I'm not actually. I wasn't born there, and they're like, "Oh, where you where you from the whole?" And I say whole, and they're like. You're from the whole, like. <laughs> so yeah, it, it is strange. But growing up, um, my dad talked to me. He basically emailed the people from um, it, it, North and South Wales. So you would have camps when you're under twelve, a little bit different from from England. Um, so he emailed them and said if I could come down because obviously he's he's Welsh. And so I went down to the first camp when I was twelve, and it, from then on, it was just um, it it was just it was just Wales and. We had a game when we were under 14s and it was North Wales, we South Wales and that obviously went to the plays from then, went into one team to, to go and play Belgium and Switzerland. And so I've, I've literally been in the setup since I was 12 and played first game when I was 14. So from then on, it was obviously always Wales. And I mean, I never, never had a, obviously a call up from England, never had that shout, but I think it was always Wales through and through for me anyway. So you were in that setup from you were 12. What age were you when you joined Hulls Academy? So um, I think eight under eights we first joined. Okay. Um, so yeah, from eight till sixteen, I was there, and then assigned for Swansea from mm-hmm. from there. How did that come about? Were you scouted? Was it come through school? No, it was um, it was actually a scout from Swansea. So I was playing down in in Newport for Wales against um, I think it was Poland, and um, yeah, from from then it was I got scouted and I spoke to to my agent and. It was either Sheffield United or Swansea, and I went down to Swansea's uh, academy, and it was just top draw. Um, they they had everything in place. To, we were cat two first year, but they had everything in place to go cat one, and it was just the the way they played. And obviously, watching Swansea on TV and, and the way they play football, it just suited me to the ground. And it was a hard decision at the time because I was so far away from Hull, it was about four yeah. hours. So getting home obviously was. I wasn't going to be much compared to if at Sheffield I could go home every weekend but in Swansea it was going to be little and it was it was a hard decision for my parents but obviously they all just wanted the best of me and I said you know what I mean I can't I can't turn this down and um, it was the best decision I ever made What was life like in Swansea? 
as a as a sixteen seven year old. What was, was I take it? He was in digs. Yeah, I was in. Um, so I was in digs. So it was lucky because the keeper, who is is my best mate um, now, he he was the keeper for for Wales as well at the time my age group. And his his basically parents said he'll take me in, and oh. so I lived with them for for two years. So it was great. Lewis Thomas, his name is. I, I lived with him for two years, and we weren't really close when we. Uh, we played for Wales together because we only met up what, three or four times every yeah. year, but we became so close. And you know I mean, he'll you know I mean? be my best friend for life. And it was unbelievable because it was it was going to a place like that and um, not knowing you know what, I mean? what it's going to be like. It just settled me in straight away. My friendship group now from down there, uh, you know what I mean, all Welsh. It was it mm. was um, it was a great setup down there and brought a few players from England. But you know I mean, it was it was mainly Welsh players and. As I said, the first year was was tough, just getting to know her. Uh, I think for the first seven months, I didn't have my international clearance, so I couldn't actually play any games for seven months. So it was just training and it was just annoying watching them play every weekend and mm. and not being involved. But I think after that, it was just about kicking on and, and you know I mean, how can I learn other ways? And I kind of develop as a person. And I think coming here helped me that move when I was 16 because it wasn't the first time I was moving away from home. I was in Swansea five years and it really became my home and I and I do call it my second home to this day. I, I will always go back there. I've, I've got family there and obviously my missus family and, and great friends there. So yeah, looking back, um, that decision when I was 16 really, I mean, made me the person I am today. And as I said, when I moved here, it was, it was a lot less frightening to, to when I moved there because I've done it before. I've moved away from family and and. I think when I ask players who have been at a club all their life and maybe they move away when they're 22, 23, it's a lot more difficult making that decision then because they used to be at home all the time. They used to be, it's it's just that getting away from home and, you know I mean, being you know I mean, self-disciplined as well, is it just yeah. really helped you. You had a lot of success with the under-23s, didn't you? Did that give you a lot of confidence that you're in the right place, you're doing the right thing and you're starting to maybe imagine what your career is going to be like? Yeah, I think, um, as I said, the first year I didn't play so much. I played towards the end of that season and I think the start of my second year squad, I started playing the 23s a little bit more. Um, I was training with them every day and playing games and from that season I went over them permanently. Um, I think the the way we played was, was just pure football. We kind of copied how the first team played and we had great players there and we were obviously we went cat one and it was kind of competing with the top teams and can Swansea gonna compete with the likes of Arsenal, Chelsea at that time. It was the first time we competed and um I think the first season then when I was under eighteens we did very well and we were close to getting promoted and I think the season after when I was a first year pro we actually ended up getting promoted and I mean I had my a fair few chances in the first team. Um I was I was training with them a couple of days and had my chances. I, I think where it all hit me is when I went to Shrewsbury on loan. And I didn't play at all. I was there maybe a month and a half and I'd come back. And from then I thought that football is not going to be me. I, I, I was really in a, a bad place. I was injured and I was thinking, oh, it's not really for me. I was getting told from elsewhere and I mean, voices around me saying I'm too soft. And it was a tough. And I think all I take away from that, for that season when I was at Shrewsbury, I think I played one game in the FA Cup for the first team. And it was when I, I scored my debut against Notts County. And I think that's the only thing from that season I really remember that was good. But it really uplifted me to, to go on to the next season and go and improve. Who was the Swansea manager then when you were just on the cusp of breaking three? So first it was Gary Monk. 
Um, and then I think when Gary, Gary oh, we had so many managers, we had Guidolin, um, Paul Clement, uh, we also had Carlos Carvajal, who was a bit of a character. So he was the he was a manager who gave me my debut, Carlos Carvajal, in that FA Cup when we were winning maybe six 0 I think we were winning. So he was the he was the manager. I didn't have anything under Paul Clement and Gary Monk. I trained with quite a few times, and I, I thought maybe I would have made my debut under him, but uh, he actually ended up getting getting sacked before I could. Uh, we also had um, Bob Bradley, who was on the bench against Stoke, um, but never never came on. Mm-hmm. What was it like making your debut? Yeah, it was it was unbelievable after being there three or four years, and I think that season it was just as I said, I come back from Shrewsbury and I didn't really know what was going on. And whose choice is it, Danny? Whose choice is it to go to Shrewsbury? Um, so I actually got a call, and I think at the end of the season, the season before, and it was kind of like teams never usually call that early, and it was just like yeah. you're going to play, you're going to be my winger, and. It was just from then on, I need to go and develop. I'm not going to play in the first team. Can I go and develop? And I think if I look back at an hour, I was coming back from a sportsman. I had a sportsman's growing up and I was doing my rehab and I went, I think, maybe 10 days too early. And I didn't finish my rehab properly there and I I was carrying it. And you can imagine when we were there, it was just running, running, running. And Mm. I kind of, I lost my way a bit. I wasn't playing out. I mean, I think I went at the start of pre-season and I came back end of the transfer window in, was it? Um, end of transfer window, September. September. I actually come back. So I played no games. I come back within a month and a half. So you can kind of think how I felt coming back. It was just like, it's a failure. And I think that's what in football, if you, the way you deal with them downs. And I think I look back at that and I'm so glad that happened to me because I mean, if things were just going happy, 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 I may not be at this level now because mm. I didn't have to push myself. And as I say, it goes back to that season and I was just delighted to get on and get a goal. It just kind of made that season good for me. And like, and what can I do next season now? I can't think about what's happened that season and what I've played one game in the first team. I can't think about that. And I've just got to kick on from here. 2018, though, was a pivotal year for you. You cemented yourself in the first team. You were getting international football. What was that time like? Yeah, so that scene was obviously great. Graham Potter came in and he was all about the youngster and the youth. And we had a great 23 side um, coming from the back of that year. We'd, we'd won, the, um, we'd won the, the cup and the league. And I think it was just, we had we had great youngsters coming through. Joe Roden is obviously at Tottenham now and Ollie McBurney who's at Sheffield United now and there's there's loads of others that, that come through that system. George Byers who, who started playing first team that season and first month, um, obviously pre-season, I trained and, and played a lot and I didn't feel quite right. I didn't think that it was, it, I was going to get my chance and the first month of that season, I actually didn't play any games. I think there was quite a few youngsters who were playing and I was going to the games, oh, I wish that was me, wish that was me and I actually made my... Um, my championship debut against Birmingham away and you can imagine the the grass was long and the balls were just going up in the air and I was just getting clattered. I think there's a clip um, that I looked after the game and it, it went viral of just, it, it came out of, of championship football and it was just, I was just getting battered. I was getting smashed. I was on the floor four times in a minute and <laughs> I thought, oh, people are going to think I'm soft now and I'm not going to, I'm not going to get a, a chance again. And I think it was the week after the gaffer actually came to me before the game and said, I'm going to start you. And don't get me wrong, I was I was surprised. And he said, you're going to play left midfield. Um, I just want you to do what you've been doing the 23s all year. And just 
just be positive and I think the game was so suited we were playing at the Liberty Stadium and we played nice football and it was just about being confident I think I made maybe I was on the front foot straight away that they gave the ball away and I, I made a one-two with um, Ollie McBurney and I had a shot and it kind of rose me oh, I don't mean I can I can do this really and um, yeah. from then on it was just about just being positive and I think it goes back to that game there where I really believed that I could I could go on and do more. Not the only viral clip of you at Swansea, was it? No, not the only one. No. Talking about the Brentford game here. Yeah. Yeah, that's obviously something that will stick in my mind. Uh, I think that goal is always a goal that, as a youngster, you always dream to score. I think they're the goals you score when you're like under 10s where, I mean, everyone's just in random positions. Um, looking back at it... Uh, they obviously played the short ball and I thought, I'll just gamble, just try and block it. Never not, never thought I'd, I'd be in. And I think when the ball bounced and I see no one on the halfway line, it was just about, who's going to win this foot race? Oh, I'd, I mean, from then on, it was just about how quick can get to the goal. And I think at the end, it was just about just being composed and, and thankfully it went back of the net. But that was, um, that's a goal that I'll always remember. Have you ever lost a foot race? I was just going to um, say, go back to school and talk a bit about the athletics. We haven't done that. Yeah, so athletics, um, I always did 100, but there was one race when, um, I mean, I was, what, five foot two and you were going against six foot people. And hmm. I was, I always liked 200 more. I don't know why. Um, I think I felt a little less pressure with 200. You could kind of build yourself up. But now that if you're talking about my school and we um, actually had a hundred meter race, I think it, it was like Yorkshire. And I mean, I don't get me wrong, I got battered. I'd, I'd, I'd like to say I'd be up there now, but everyone was just so much taller and watching them just stride in front of you and you, you with your little legs just running behind. <laughs> <laughs> but no, never, never in school. I think there was, a, there was a few people, but I think after school, I actually kicked on to, be, to come a little bit quicker because there was always people that I said, oh, he's probably as quick as me now. And, I think after school, I kind of kicked on when I, I mean, when I was fully grown. Where would you be in a pecking order at United? At United, our top, I put myself there. Yeah. yeah. I, saw, I was going to say, yeah. I saw Luke Shaw did a Q&A the other day and he was asked yeah. who the top three are. And he yeah. said you as top, as though like that wasn't even a competition. He was like, well, obviously, Van yeah. is number one. And then he put himself and Marcus as joint second. I always put himself as he. Yeah. Yeah, Mark, <laughs> yeah, you seen recently, Marcus is very quick. But if you ask him, I think he'd always say me. I think we'd have a, a very good race. But I think if you'd asked him, he'd, he'd say me. There's obviously a few others as deceivingly like Aaron's very quick. I don't think you realise how quick Aaron is. Mm. Um, he covers ground so quick. But yeah, there's, there's there's probably a few others there. But I'd like to say I put myself top. You're number one. Maybe we should bring <laughs> bring in like a Manchester United sports day. You're never yeah. too old for a sports day, are you? <laughs> Good old sack race. race, yeah. Sack race. I'd win that one as well. Little legs. <laughs> um... We are going to get to Manchester United, which is why we are here. We can't yeah. really avoid the conversation about Leeds, though. Yeah. Tell us about that time. Yeah, it's, an, it's another moment in my career where I believed it I mean, happened for, for a reason. And it was kind of, a, I had a good start to obviously the season at Swansea and Leeds were interested in me uh, in December. And at the time I was just enjoying my football at Swansea it was my break for a year and I was just enjoying it and um, I only had a year and a half left of my contract and Swansea weren't actually offering me another deal so um, Leeds were coming in offering me a deal for th three four years and for me it was a no-brainer to, to do that and you have to in football you've got to have security and if they're not going to offer another contract to you I've, I've got to move on and 
obviously everything happened. I, my, I spoke to my agent and he said, it's going to go right down to the wire. And obviously that's what it did. And it was just building up. I would just, just enjoy my football until then. And I think deadline day, obviously I got to Ellen Road and through, throughout the day, it was just about doing the scans. And I got to Ellen Road about six o'clock and the transfer window was closing at 11. And it was, um, it was a long wait and it was, um, yeah, it was, it was just a crazy day really. And, I ended up eating a Chinese in the boardroom, just waiting. And I think when you're watching it, I'm watching it on TV and you, you watch deadline day so much and you're watching your face on TV. And it was just, it was weird for me just because at the time, January transfer window, everything is mostly done. You don't have many deals compared to the summer. And I think it was all eyes and leads um, if, if, it, if this deal is going to go through. And I was just w looking at it and thinking, it's, it's just surreal it, it was it was very strange and at the time I thought deadline I thought it closed at 12 o'clock so I, we've got 20 minutes to go I'm thinking it's 12 not 12 it's 11 I was like oh we only got 20 minutes they came in with the contract I signed all the contract pre-contract I did the interviews picked my shirt number did all the pictures and I thought it was done I signed this contract and I thought oh that's done because I signed my own contract and then so it's not done there's one more piece of paper which is from Swansea to to Leeds for for them to agree the actual deal of how it's going to happen and they said oh it'll be done it'll be done and it got to one minute to 11 I was like what's going on and they came in and Victor Otter, the the chief exec of Leeds come in and he was actually he was very upset I think if anyone's ever seen the documentary he was very upset of of what had happened and it was it was it was so strange it was like I didn't really have time. It was not. It was not about being upset. It was. It was just crazy. It was. It was a long day, and I mean, from then on, I, I didn't get upset about it. I just, I just accepted it. And people go back and say, "Oh, how hard was that for you?" And I, and I say, "Do you know what? It, it wasn't as hard as you thought it would be because I love Swansea. Mm -hmm. I, I was enjoying it so much there. It wasn't like I was, I was desperate to leave and." It was just the circumstance of, of the way it was with the contract and just everything. It was it was the right decision at the time. And Graham Potter, uh, sorry, the assistant manager, um, Billy rang me and said to me, he, it, was, it was Wednesday, I think, deadline day. He said, are you, are you ready to play Saturday against Bristol City? And I said, I spoke by and I spoke to my family. I said, do you know what? I, I, I don't think I should play. I said, it's not because my head's not in the right place. I just feel like I haven't prepared myself throughout this week properly mm. and if I go and have a bad game then everyone's like oh his head's in the, he's in he's, do you yeah. know I mean he wants yeah, to go yeah. there he doesn't want to be at Swansea and I went back to Swansea and I had to clear the air I had an interview straight away and I think I said in the interview like I love I love Swansea I love being here I'm coming back to a place that I love it's not like I'm I mean gutted I'm not still here because I'm not I'm, I've I've got great friends here and we've got a great team here I'm just gonna push on and it really helped strive to to be better um, towards the end of the season and I think as I said looking back at it I'm, I believed everything happened for a reason that's a lot that's to tell how old was you then? Uh, nine, I think 19 I was maybe, 19, 20 maybe yeah. that's a lot to take on isn't it? yeah mentally I mean yeah I think it all happened so quick it was it was just crazy and it was just about getting back to Swansea and training and if I went back and I was unhappy, it would have been a lot different. But as I said, I was just happy to be back and, and playing. And I knew I was going to come back and, and play under the, under the manager. And I spoke to him straight away and just said, my head's here. And I'm just going to carry on the way I've been yeah. playing all season. And, and, and that's what I did. 
I think for people watching Transfer Deadline Day and the window, it's exciting, isn't it? And now you're in the position where you're, you know, you're probably not watching it as much at the moment as what you have been in the past. But when you watch it, you think, oh, where are they going? Who's going to be? But when you're actually involved in it, it's it's an emotional roller coaster, isn't it? Yeah, it's strange because you've got loads of people messaging you. I've got a lot of friends who are Leeds fans. Obviously, I'm, I'm from Yorkshire and I've got, obviously got a lot of friends saying, is it happening? Is it going through? And you've got so many people messaging me um, who I haven't spoke to in ages and just saying, oh, is it going through? Whatever. And yeah, it, it was just it was just so crazy. And it it's a moment that I'll always remember in my career. And as you said, it you watch it on TV and then watching yourself on it and it not happening plus they were doing the the documentary of of being leads and yeah. it was a it was a big part in that documentary i think it was one of the episodes of where it happened and it was nice to be able to watch it back to see kind of what happened because i did all it shows kind of i think fans wanted to know what happened and it kind of shows what happened step mm-hmm. by step and that i had done the interviews Do you know what i mean i was at the time in myself i was a leads player because mm-hmm. i had done everything yeah i mean i was not a swansea player more i'm a leads player so from going from that and the next day being like, oh, I'm not a Leeds player, I'm a Swansea player. I had to really like go back and, you know I mean, what are my aims for the rest of the season? And I had to take my wet self away from that and be like, no, I've got to concentrate now. And and they said, do you know what I mean? We'll, I mean, we'll be here in the summer, basically. You said you were a Leeds player and that you were a Swansea player. Did you ever think that you would be a Manchester United player? Um, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> um, growing up, no, I don't. Even if you, I mean, you believe in yourself and things, I don't think you ever believe that. It's still surreal to this moment. Obviously, Leeds said they'd be interested in the summer, so I thought, I mean, just got to keep doing what I do in Swansea. If it happens at the end of the season, it happens. But I, obviously, United come in late, and it was, I mean, it was late time, maybe May, towards the end of the season. And at the start, when I got told, it was like, no, I don't believe you, like, no, they they don't want me. Who actually, who actually told you? Um, my agent told me that they're, they're interested. I think it was the game where they come. I think we played Stoke. Um, I probably, I scored probably the best goal that I've scored in my career against Stoke. And I mean, I had one of the best games there of the season and thankfully they were, they were there watching. <laughs> so I think it was like after that game in the coming weeks, they said that we're interested. And no, I mean, I didn't, I didn't believe it. And um yeah, from from then on, it was, it was it was a no brainer. I couldn't I couldn't turn United down. It was just just surreal. And coming to the training ground with about fifty um, cameras on me, it was just it was just crazy. At what point did that? No, I don't believe this. Not sure about this. Did that become? This is really happening. I'm joining Manchester United. Um, <laughs> not until I was not until I was at the um, to that the training ground. Really, it really became. Well, I'm a, I'm a Man United player now, and not 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 just after you sign the contract, because obviously yeah, no, you can sign any contract, yeah. can't you? Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it was a it was a weird one. It was like, as you said, it goes back to Leeds. One I've signed of, is it done now? Yeah. And um, I think I had internationals that season, and um, so just after that, and the, obviously the gaffer was it was it. Obviously, Giggs is the the manager, and I asked him, "Could I could I go and get this sorted before we internationals, before we go on, so I can get that out of the way and done?" And he said, "Yeah." So I went in the morning and obviously did everything, signed everything, and then I met back at the hotel and we we flew to Croatia. So it was just off my chest that everything had been done, and it didn't matter of of kind of 
these games and I just said to him I'll be in a lot better place if I sign this before I go away from these two internationals because they were big games they were they were Euro qualifiers and mm-hmm. um, they were they were big games for us so I was just glad I, glad I got it done and what did um what did, what did Giggsy say to you did he advise you or anything or what was the conversation you had with him yeah so uh, I think when people ask me what what's the best advice you ever give and it would probably be from him um, only two words and it was just be yourself mm-hmm. and you take that as I mean you can learn off everyone and and do but you're ultimately here because of what you do and what you bring and that's kind of I relate back to I mean maybe the start of the season maybe the end of last season is I kind of came away from that and tried to be like other players and looked at other players oh, I need to be like him need to be like that but that was kind of this season where I thought no I'm, I'm here for a reason and I looked back at loads of old clips of me being me and, and I looked back at them I'm like and then looked at my new clips and thought I mean I'm I'm from what I got bought from Swansea to Man United I'm not doing that mm-hmm. and it was kind of a reality check to me of you know I mean you can take from him you can take from from different players around your position and around you but ultimately you're here because of what you do and and it goes back to to what Giggsy said to me and it just just be yourself and that was so important what is a change then from from then till now? Um, when you say you look back at old clips, it it was kind of. I mean, it was in this game. I, I was watching and being a winger and stuff. You want to you want to get you want to get the fans off their seats. Mm-hmm. And I looked back at games and it was like, yeah, I had a good game. I kept the ball, but I was just being safe. Yeah. And in this game, I always go back to the quote is being safe is, is so dangerous in this game. It's being safe is dangerous if you want to be at the top. And this is when I look back at is why, why do I need to be safe? Why do I need to keep the ball? Cause in myself, I was like, if I lose it, I mean, the fans will be on my back and it kind of got a position of, no, I don't, I don't care if I lose it, I'll get it back and I'll go at him again. And mm-hmm. that was kind of the check of, I look back at Swansea clips and obviously when I first signed for United of what I was doing best and that was just when I get the ball, go out the defender, doesn't matter if you lose it, you win it back and that's what I kind of kind of come back to and it was it was a big change of me but I had to obviously look at things back, look what I can do better and as I said, yeah, it was it was about you know I me mean, not being safe. That's very, very honest assessment. You you touch on the fans there, Dan, and you say about you know, you don't want to you want to be safe all the time. But do you think now, because maybe this season there has been no fans, that you've been able to express yourself a little bit more because you don't hear the moans and groans of the of the fans are No, um you say that, but I don't I don't think I think you maybe you feel a little bit more pressure because you feel like they're all watching at home and I yeah. think it kinda of, it does kick you on sometimes, especially when you're going forward and they're all screaming, they're up on the feet. If you lose it, you lose it. You win it back, and, and whether I'm here or not, I think I'd be exactly the same because I'd I'd still be looking. I think obviously I didn't. I haven't been playing as much at the start of the season, and it was about join. Do I want to accept this and just not play and just be on in the background? I was like, no, like I want to be here. I don't want to be anywhere else. And brilliant. I spoke to the gaffer about it, and I'm. I think it was before the Champions League game, the um, Istanbul, and I said to him, I want like I'm ready to play. I'm ready. And he said, "I can see that in training. I can see that the way you're putting yourself. And you, you look, you look, you look back to you. And again, I said, I am. I'm ready to play. And I think coming out of that meeting, and sometimes it's hard to go to to the gaffer. I think some, or me myself, and I mean, I speak to him every day. But 
going to him one-to-one and being confident and saying ready to play. I mean, you kind of have to go out your comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. But I think going out of that conversation, I think he loved that I did that. Um, and as I said, he, he played me in that game and I come on and scored. And, and then from then on, it was kind of, right, what, what can I can I go and do now? How can I get myself back in this team? How can I be around it more? And it was just doing about everything I can in training every day. And as I said, it's... it's um, games every three days so you end up training and there's maybe like seven or eight players so it's it's about getting the most out of that and being ready for the big games and mm. that that goes back to the Leeds game uh was it just before Christmas or just after I think where it was it was a big game we was gonna have to cover a lot of ground and it was just like I had to make myself ready for a game I thought I mean I haven't played in ages but if I just just sack off training if I don't want to be my best. It's not going to help me and it's not going to help the team. No. So I need to be ready of when he calls myself and says, right, you're going to play this game. I need to be ready. And that Leeds game, I, w- I was certainly ready to to be able to, to do that. And um, I think for quite a few days after, I was, I was tired um, <laughs> mentally and physically. But I think from then it was just like, I just need to kick on and do more and just be the best you can be in every every day in training and and, and not, I mean, it's it's easy when it's it's easy when you're not playing to just be in the background and not try at training, but and just it's yeah. not try. I think if you ask anyone, but it, it doesn't help you. And it was just about what goals and and that's where it was. A, it's a reality check of right. I need to do everything I can now. What can I concentrate now? I'm not playing. What can I concentrate? Gym analysis, everything around me, psychology, everything to be able to, so when I do play, I am ready and show it, show the manager that I'm ready. You also, uh, obviously you're not played against Swansea yet, but do Leeds feel like a former team who scored against them? Um, no, because I didn't actually sign for them. Obviously it was, um, it was going back to that Swansea, we actually played them three weeks after I didn't sign for them. When I went to Leeds, they actually chanted my name. We actually ended up getting beat that day, but it was honestly so strange. Um, it, it was it was so strange. I bet you can't wait to go back to Leeds next year <laughs> with United. That'll be great. Yeah, well, obviously we we play them this year, but there'll be there'll be no fans. But yeah, next season. No, it'd be great, and, uh, and it's definitely a, a moment I'm looking forward to, and I'll, I'll cherish it. It's, this is, I'll just let you know it's totally different going back as a United player I know I know, you I know. Get absolutely ripped to bits yeah, of course yeah um, at the time obviously you'll love it if I was I mean this time obviously not, not going to chant my name um, but when I was at Swansea I think I don't think that had uh, ever happened anywhere where the opposition are, you're playing for one team yeah you're actually getting I think the only one maybe you think about is um, yeah when obviously we we played Derby and obviously Rooney played I think that's probably yeah, the only course, one yeah. the next player. Yeah. But that being when I hadn't even been at the club, I don't think, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's very <laughs> unlikely you'll ever, do you know what I mean, no. experience that's that again. Rare, and I never it? expected it. I never expected it. It's not like I thought, oh, they're going to chip a name. I just, I didn't expect anything really. I just thought it's just, it's just a game. And yeah, it was strange. But going back to the question, it wasn't, it wasn't weird playing in this season. Maybe maybe a little bit weird if there were fans, but it was just another game for me. It was it yeah. was a game that I, I really had to kick on and I couldn't let that occasion get to me because it was my first start in a long time and and obviously to score was it was great as well and 
but no, going yeah, saying as you as a question you said it wasn't it wasn't strange. You talked about goosebumps there. There must have been goosebumps on your first competitive debut for United. Yeah, definitely. That's what I was going to yeah. say because that's we now know that's your boyhood team. <laughs> well, yeah, I think people going back to I, I remember when I signed for United. It was um, I think I can't remember who it was. Uh, one of the 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 Sky Sports um, who, who works on there said that. He's, he sports Liverpool and I was thinking I don't spot Liverpool um, <laughs> I, I never wanted to come out and be like no I, 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 mean, yeah, I sport yeah. Chelsea youngster but that obviously I mean when as I started playing football Swansea and I was playing first team it was kind of I mean, a team I follow but you, I mean you you don't end up do you know what I mean supporting them anymore really and that's obviously when I look at players when I was younger Hazard and Mata and, yeah. and Drogba and, and players like that I mean they're players that I loved and um, and so you kind of grow out of that and I think my brother was obviously a, still a Chelsea fan and I mean to this day I think I mean, he still likes them but it's, it's not the same anymore he obviously supports United and <laughs> it was quite strange and playing the first game of the season and before the game I never thought I'd thought come on it's a big game I thought it'd be close encounter and we were actually 3-0 up and it was I mean not, not surprising but I mean it was I thought I could get my opportunity there here and it was kind of goosebumps when the gaffer called my name and he said you're going to go on and I think I got about 15 minutes which was great and yeah that was surreal coming on I think the fans of when I made my debut was it was just great of them clapping when you get on and really cheering you on and that just 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 set me alive really scoring as well yeah um I think I made a maybe a couple of runs before that and didn't get the ball and it was just just make this one more run and I mean, Paul, I didn't think he'd seen me at the time. He played me the ball and I actually took a touch and I thought, oh, this is going to get away from me a bit. And um, I mean, I striked it and thankfully it took a, a nice deflection went in the back <laughs> of the net. And that's when it just pure emotion, goosebumps and didn't know what to do with myself, really. It was just at the Stretford end as well. And yeah. you could see how happy the fans were, not just for the scoreline, but how happy that obviously I've scored on my debut. And I lot when I look at it back now, the clip and the whole team come over to the whole team, even Harry, you know what I mean? After a long game and mm-hmm. come over to, to celebrate with me. And it was just very, it was, it was emotional. And my, my family are up at the top um, in the Stretford end. And I think my mum was crying as well. It was just, it was just a brilliant moment. And that will always be the, the number one highlight in my career. I think even if I go on to do great things, I think, um, I mean, that will always one that will stick out because it, it was his debut and it was just unbelievable. Did you keep that shirt? <laughs> yeah, I've still got that shirt. Um, I'm sure I got it framed. I think, um, yeah, I think my, my family framed that for me. So, yeah, it, it will always be, it will always, mm-hmm. be, it'll always be in my, you know I mean, my front room. Are you a memorabilia lover or not so much? I do like collecting stuff. I think I've collected a lot of shirts, but I'm useless when it comes to framing things. I think I've got maybe about... <sighs> 15 20 shirts to get framed obviously from players that you, you play against as well and I just ended up putting them in a bag and they're in the back of the drawer and you ended up opening yeah. them and I think my missus come the other day and just be like oh, I, why does it smell so much in this room and you're checking yourself and then you go you go to the back of the cupboard and it's just all off dirty shirts that you've got off people so yeah there's there's a lot I need to to get get framed but yeah I, I definitely like keeping things for moments obviously to to look back on Mm-hmm. We've mentioned a couple of viral videos that you've been in from uh, matches. There's also one from your United time that isn't necessarily from the pitch. 
after Bournemouth <laughs> in the dressing room. Yeah, um, I don't know. I Everybody think, loved that, Dan. Yeah, Everybody loved everyone it. loved it. Um, I think um, everyone knows, like, music, uh, I mean, I like to dance. I mean, I won't say I'm not a good dancer, but... Do you know what I mean? I, I do like to dance, even though it's, even if it's really bad. And I think um, they put a song on. I think Paul kind of, you know, Paul's a, a great character and kind of egged it on. And it was just, just from then on, it was, yeah, it's just, it's just funny. I think Eric was laughing as well. Eric likes to dance. So yeah, it was um, funny. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's a great group of lads we've got here. Who's in charge of the music? Uh, so we've, we've got a few. Um, I think since Ash was Ash well where we had Ash Ash was the main Ash, Ash was the main one and then when Ash left, left it was kind of someone else's responsibility and I mean the um, the Portuguese kind of took over the Portuguese speakers and it was I mean Fred and Fred and Bruno and I mean it's a little bit different it's a little bit of I mean kind of carnival music and it's just beats and you don't get much music it's kind of just random music and I mean a lot of the the kit men come in just being shaking their head to the music and yeah it's a lot different uh, I think Scott has had it a few times Scott's Scott's good it's, it's more like that people know if, if you was a DJ if you was a DJ for the day then in the dressing room what would you have on if I was a DJ for a day uh, in the dressing room yeah, I like a bit of both um, I like a bit of R&B hip hop but sometimes a little bit of house is is, is good um, I think sometimes People have got like a bit of techno on. I think Fred and Bruno like a bit of techno. It's just like no one's listening to that. Everyone else has got their earphones in. <laughs> Every, no, I mean, m- most people, Fred puts his music on, but then he's got his headphones on. So he's like, what are you putting music on to listen to music? But then he's got his headphones. It's like you're not even listening to the music we've got to listen to. So um, no, I think when Scott was out for maybe 10 days and um, Scott um, ended up, coming back against Chelsea and he ends up putting his music on. So if we can, we, we try and try and keep that on. But um, I think Bruno and Fred like their little carnival music. Couldn't imagine that. Uh, we are coming to the end. Before we go, though, I just want to ask you what your personal targets are for the future uh, within the team. Yeah, um, that was obviously a thing I need to reflect back on. And for my position, goals and assists is obviously the big one. Um, I think I give so much more to that. But I think looking back, that obviously I want I want to add to that the num the numbers I want to get to obviously the big, but it's obviously it's a, it's a, it's a stepping stone. Yeah. I think if you look towards the end of last season, I, I started well and maybe it faded towards do you know what I mean middle towards the end. And I think f- my goals now are can I go and get ten goals, ten assists a season? Can I go and get double figures in both? And I think kind of that's the first stepping stone. Obviously, in the future, you know what I mean it's bigger, but you've you can't set goals too high and I think in when when I look at it I kind of set like a, a like a three-year target of where I want to be in three years and what I've got to do with to attain that and that's the little things in, in training I've been in situations I think you go back to the Southampton game um, you go back to maybe the, the Saucy Dead game I think the goals that are from close there's the stuff that I've been been doing a lot because you may get that opportunity maybe once or twice in six games, but you've got to finish them off. And yeah. and it's a thing that I've been working on a lot, especially as I haven't been playing recently, is I can go and do a lot more finishing. Now. I think when you're playing three, game, sorry, three games a week and you're playing every game, you don't have chance to go and do your finishing. And that was a kind of thing. I've got to do this every day after training. I think there's times where they've been like, oh, I mean, Dan, you finish now and be like, no, like I've, I've got to do this. I've got to do this for me. And... 
Um, it was just about being comfortable in them positions. It was the, the Istanbul one was maybe the one before I maybe would have rushed a shot and the keeper would have saved it where Mason squared it across and it was just about being composed. And when I go back to that game, I, I think about it and I think that's probably the most composed I've been in front of goal for a long time. And that's because of what I've done in training. Yeah. And um, yeah, as I said, it, I mean, I've got to add to that, that goal tally and that assist tally and that's something I'll, I'll keep striving towards. Before we go, I'm going to sneak in one last question because I think a lot of people will be interested. How's Hugo doing? <laughs> yeah, Hugo's great. Yeah, he's um, he's my best friend. I think if you ask my missus, she always says you love the dog more than me. I wouldn't say a word, <laughs> but um, yeah, he's, he's always the first. He's always the first one I go to in the house. I think because uh, yeah, he's um, yeah, he's great. I think that's another viral video that went around when my missus got to him, and I, she always <laughs> says. Um, yeah, it, it went viral and you had, it, it was a bit crazy that I came back after a game and he was just sat there and I didn't really see him at first. And I, I always said to Mrs. that I had, I had two dogs back home and I said I always wanted a dog and she wasn't a massive dog person, but I mean, it was big to me and I mean, she's grown to love him just as, as much as I do, but I mean, he's a, he's a big part of, he's a big part of the family. Brilliant. Awesome. Dan, thank you so, so much, Daniel, should I say? Thank you. Thank you so much. Before we go, any of your teammates that you can recommend for a podcast for us? Um, oh, I think, um, have you, have you had Luke on yet? I think it, I think he'd love to do one. Daniel, thank you so much. Thank you so, so much. Thanks Thank you very much. Thanks guys. See you later. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, how nice is Dan James, by the way? Such a nice person. So easy to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... How can you not be on his side? You just want him to do well. Yeah. And it's so nice to hear him talk about, you know, that sometimes it's not easy to do as well as you want to and he started so well and then, in his own admissions, didn't didn't quite find the same form. And then when he felt ready, went into Ollie, Ollie's room, said, put me in. Would you have done that, Maisie? Um, I don't know. I think all different players are all, all, all different, aren't they? You know... He came into the team and he was absolutely flying, wasn't he? Absolutely flying. And then I think it was inevitable he was going to have a dip because that's what young, happens to young players. They're coming in and out of form. But the fact that he went to see Ali and he said, listen, I'm ready now. I've, I've learned my lessons and I've learned what I need to do. And Ollie turned around and said, yeah, you ready? Stuck him back very in honest, there. Very honest, isn't it? Very honest. That? Yeah, very honest. I think you two will know more about this than me. And everyone listening, I would imagine. But I thought the bit where he talked about his, his his almost transfer to Leeds was really interesting. That he was sat in the boardroom, like as far as he's concerned, everything's ready to go. But he's still waiting for everybody else. That lack of control over that your own career in those small moments must be so strange. That's not very common where it gets that far, though, is it? No. You know, transfer deadline time can be stressful but to get that far where you sign a board you sign the forms yeah yeah that is crazy because all the all the other elements of it because you know you're going to move house you're going to live in a new city you're going to have new teammates and i was just going to say that, all of that yeah preparing for all of that but then when you have children it makes it a little bit more complicated doesn't it obviously yeah, when you're young and you're on your own it's not you know it's not the same because you don't have to think right i need to find a skill right. need to find a suitable house but still mentally that's very difficult mm. Fair. Do clubs, do clubs pitch that kind of stuff? Like, if they want to sign you, do they go, if, say, if you've got a family, would they be like, hey, great schools over here? Yeah, of course. They'd have, a, <laughs> they'd have a player liaison officer who would always help you with that. Do you know what? We always get those messages saying we need a Helen podcast. I agree. 
I'm so boring. I've told you this. But we're, le- we're learning interesting. We know things. that. We're just trying to get one for Johnny. Is that what you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. All right. So do we need two then? <laughs> Helen and Johnny show. Back to Dan James. <laughs> Lovely boy. And I'm so pleased that he is now getting a real good run in the team and doing really well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he loves his dog. Anyone that loves dogs is, is, I think, decent. What was his quote, Sam? He said in that, didn't he? He said, playing safe is dangerous, which I think is a really good line. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. I like that. Got to take some risks, haven't you? Th- yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think he's learned that. I think watching him now from watching him when he wasn't quite on form or, you know, probably six months into it, he's, um, he's learned a lesson. He spoke to Giggsy about it and stuff like that. And yeah, absolutely. Not Flying. Bad. Not a bad person to get advice from, is it? Not bad, is it? Not at all. Should we do some emails, guys? Yeah, why not? Do you want to go first? Yep, sure. First one is from Vikas Nataraja. Hi, Sam, Helen and David. I just wanted to say it's been absolutely wonderful listening to the podcast, putting on my headphones and hearing the stories and the behind the scenes of former and current Manchester United players really motivates me and gives me insight into my favourite club. I started supporting United at the age of 12 when I was in India, mostly to spite my brother who supported Arsenal. I am now 24 and in the United States in Denver and rigorously watch every match, collect merchandise and follow all the latest developments. The podcast is a great way to learn about so many legends of the club and the game. And so far, my favourites have been Marcus Rashford and Siobhan Chamberlain, whose stories are inspirational. I'd love to hear more from players from the women's team like Katie Zellum and Jackie Gronin. Keep up the great work, guys. I'm looking forward to more great content. Thank you very much indeed for your email. Thank you, Vikas. I've got one from um, Safal Sundas who says, Hey guys, I love the United podcast. I'm United faithful from a small place called Darjeeling. This is my second email to you guys. Just love the podcast and would like to wish you guys all the best. Eagerly awaiting the part two of Wayne Rooney, aren't we all? Um, there's so many more would love to hear from, especially Kino and Sir Alex. Regards, Safal. Safal, once again, thank you for listening and thank you very much for getting in touch. We also want part two of uh, Wayne Rooney and Sir Alex. And of course, Kino. Helen, have you seen him on any more dog walks? No, I saw him last week, drove past him in the car. What? Did you stop to talk mm-hmm. to him? No, because I was in my car. Just crash into him gently and be like, oh, what are the odds? Oh, by the way, just to get the insurance details, but do you want to do a podcast? Now, I don't know Roy Keane, but I'm not sure how receptive he'd be to a podcast invitation after he's just had his car damaged. Yeah, to me crashing into him, I think that would go well, really well. It's an idea. Just like catch his bumper or something. Just like break a light. I'll work on that, Sam. Great. Thanks to see it working. Evan says, hi guys, loving the podcast lately, especially during this lockdown. Love the one with Robin Van Persie. Would love you guys to get Katie Zellum on for an episode. Keep up the good work. Lots of requests from Katie Zellum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we need to get her on. Yep, we will. I've got one here from Tian Linguani who says, Helen, Sam and Maisie, I hope you are all well. I'm a lifelong Man United fan and I really am enjoying the podcast. It's great to see you guys keeping up the good work throughout lockdown. I think it would be really cool to get Gary Neville, Anthony Martial, brackets, my favourite player, Sir Alex Ferguson and Van der Sar on the podcast. Can you also say hello to my dad, Neil? It would make his day. Kind regards, TNL. Neil, what's up? How you doing? Hi, Neil. What's happening, Neil? Um, Gary Neville, Martial, Sir Alex, Van der Sar. All would be good, wouldn't they? All would be different. I'd like to get Van der Sar on. He'd be good. I think I've said this before, but I'm fascinated by, by his spell at Fulham. Um, thank you very much for listening to United Podcast. You can get in touch with us in the, the address in the show notes. It's unitedpodcast at mainlight.co.uk. Please uh, give us a review. Give us some stars. Give us all the nice stuff if you think we're good. Um, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye.